¿Listo, Rick? Ready. Yeah, yeah, we're All right, ready. Well, let's get started. Señor Rick, once again, thank you so much for your time. I'm very excited about today. As I was telling you, my sister's a teacher. My One of my best friends a teacher. Very excited. Um, when I started following you, I, I was hooked in your in your content, what you do, the purpose, the passion that you do it with. Thanks. So, like, definitely I have to have them on. Um, I don't know if I told you this, but one of the reasons why I started this podcast is to highlight people doing a great job in our community, uh, making sure that it's not only them that they're looking after, but also the bigger picture. And again, when I look back at what you do and how you do it, like this is the perfect definition awesome. of what uh, I'm trying to showcase. So again, thank you for your time, Senor. I appreciate that, man. It's, it's nice to, I guess, be acknowledged, to be recognized for something like that. So I appreciate that. No, of course. All right, well, let's get started. Senor, hey. tell us a little bit about you, who you are, what you do. Give us a, a brief intro, por favor. All right, I'm going to try to keep it brief. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, born and raised in El Paso, Texas, Northeast. Uh, have a lot of pride and a lot of uh, passion for the Northeast. Um, you know, in El Paso, we get a bad rap in the Northeast, or we used to. People used to talk down in the Northeast, and they used to say things like, the Northeast is ghetto, and they still do. Oh, I was going to tell you that. I'm sorry. I was like, oh, we still do. And they still <laughs> do, but. Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, growing up there and, and seeing the people that come out of there, man, well, there's some good things coming out of the Northeast, right? Just like every part of the city. Um, but, again, back to the Northeast. So I was born there, uh, born in the projects. Um, what? Well, Five brothers, one sister. Um, in my family, nobody, everybody, no one ever went to college. So we never talked about college in our family. It was always about you need to join the military because that's the only route for us. And I love my mom to death, and I think she did a great job with us. Um, but that was how we grew up, right, where there was really no room to dream. And it was just if you don't do the military, you're going to end up dead or in jail, basically. Um, or you're going to be doing nothing with your life. So. I uh, made my way through uh, public education, barely got by thanks to football, had to pass my classes, um, went to the military, I joined the Marine Corps. Which uh, high school did you go to? Irvin High School, Irvin. yeah, my okay. bad. I went to Irvin High School, class of 05. Uh, all my brothers went there, my mom went there, uh, my dad went there, um, we all went there, and then, funny thing later, is I ended up teaching there. But uh, I joined the military, um, I had to be better than my brother and my sister. My sister joined the Navy, my brother joined the Air Force, and I said, oh, well, the Marines are a lot tougher. <laughs> I mean, respect to all my branches out there, but that's just, you know, it, it's a it's a little rivalry within the branches, right? So I joined the Marine Corps. Um, and then when I joined the Marine Corps, I thought to myself, okay, well, I like it. I like the culture. I like the leadership. Um, I like what I'm experiencing, but I don't like the deployments, right? So I think to myself, what am I, what am I going to do after my four years? I did my four years and, and I decided to get out. And when I got out, I thought to myself, well, what is the best way for me to make an impact? And what is the best way for really for my life to matter right when it's all said and done i want to say i did something that mattered so i thought let me try to be a teacher um so i came back home went to utep uh started boxing at san juan boxing gym yeah, i'm sure you know where that's at yeah Our, rest in peace louis and from there louis forced me to stay in college right this man forced me to stay in college and he said i know you're doing um the, the college thing i know you want to be a golden glove champion but you have to stay in college you have to stay in college because these kids in this gym, they need someone to look up to, and that's going to be you. So Louis became like a father figure to me, right? Father figure, best friend. I stayed in college because of Louis, and I graduated because of Louis. Um, then I became a teacher. And be careful what you at, what you wish for because I, came, I became a teacher at the same high school that I went to, Irvin. And I, I met a bunch of kids who remind me of me, kids who have potential, kids who have 
a, a, a bright future, but they just don't believe in themselves yet or they're doing just enough to get by. I was an ABC student and sometimes D's. Um, I had to appeal for credit for almost every single class because I started ditching a lot. Back in high school, we had Juarez, right? So uh, <laughs> so first, second, third period, it was, you know, it was a, sometimes I go, sometimes I wouldn't. Um, and then from there, um, I did my uh, administrative internship to be a principal at the middle school I went to. And the principal I met there, she said, hey, you'd be a really good candidate for this AVID position, which is a college and career readiness program. And I asked her, well, what is it? I have no idea what it is. And I read the program description um, and it's built. That program is built to, to empower kids like me who are in the middle, who have potential, but they, they just need a little bit of help and a little bit of encouragement to reach that full potential. So as soon as I read that, I jumped ships and I went to the middle school that I went to. And I started teaching there and I started coaching football. Uh, I started coaching track there and I really fell in love with teaching there. Um, I fell in love with, with teaching the kids from that community, from that neighborhood. I met kids who grew up in the same projects that I grew up in, right? I met kids who are, were messing up, but they were good kids. But, you know, some people had already written them off, right? And they just needed someone to believe in them. So I went back, I taught there, um, and then that led to uh, becoming teacher of the year for some way, somehow. Hey, kudos, <laughs> of course. They, uh, they were crazy enough to Which nominate. Which district are we talking about? Um, El Paso. El Paso. Okay. Yeah. Um, they're crazy enough to nominate me, and I tell them like I'm I'm just a regular guy. Just a, I'm not smart. Uh, I'm just average intelligence. There's a lot of better teachers here, but if y'all want me to be it, <laughs> then let's do it. That opened the door for more opportunities, right? Um, and then I started speaking, right, doing little motivational. I hate calling it motivational speaking, but I started sharing my message with students. After how long of you teaching? Uh, I was already in for five years. Okay. Um, it was my principal who actually pushed me into it. And she was, she was, she told me, you need to share your message. Um, so I started doing it. And, and the first time I shared, she threw me on stage in front of 1600 kids wow. <laughs> at Theo high school. Uh, so that was, that was nerve wracking. Right. But I did it because she believed in me and because I wanted to, I wanted to help these kids out. Um, and if I, I always say, if I could reach one, then my job is done. Right. You're not going to please everybody. You're not going to make everybody happy, but there's always that one person who might connect with you, who you might be able to help on their way. So that's why I did it. Um, open up some doors. Like I said, started speaking, started sharing my message a little bit more. And then I gave a speech to teachers in 2018 when I was the teacher of the year for the district. And they wanted me to share my story about why I teach. So I thought to myself, okay, well, I'm going to share, I'm going to share my story, but I don't want to put them to sleep either. I don't want them to be bored out of their minds. Right. Cause as teachers, there's so many different meetings we got to go to, all the emails. So I thought to myself, how can I make this presentation meaningful? How can I make it worth their time? I don't want to waste their time. So I thought, I thought, why do I teach? Right. And I put this message together. And as I'm putting it together, I'm thinking, man, I, I didn't teach to, to raise test scores. Right. I don't, I didn't get into education to worry about data and to worry about test scores or, or to worry about lesson plans. I got into education to make a difference. So I told Orlando, my boy Orlando, he's here actually uh, recording us. Um, I told him I have this message that I want him to record. And the intent was come record. Let me view myself to get better as a presenter. And we'll take it from there. Gave the speech. Orlando immediately packed his bags. He got his stuff and he dipped. He left. And he's like, Rick, this is fire. And I was like, no, no, no. Let me see it first. <laughs> and he's like, Rick, I'm going to have it done tonight. And it usually takes a couple of days, right? As you know, editing takes a long time. Oh, for sure. So that opened up a lot of doors and, and 
you know, that speech ended up going viral. Um, and that led me to where I am now, which is presenting to teachers and presenting to students uh, full time, virtually now. Um, and then also a doctoral student at UTEP. Nice. Senor. Well, I appreciate that. Let's go back a little bit. You said that after you joined the Marines, well, after you had your four years, you wanted to make an impact, right? Mm -hmm. That's the reason why you went to, uh, to wanting to teach. What made you kind of click to, you know what, I want to impact someone. What, what was that moment? Do you recall like specific moment or something that happened that you decided to go that route? Because I don't, based on what you're telling me, I don't think you went out of high school thinking, I want to impact something right, happened right. within, right? So talk to us. Yeah, so there was two, there's two instances. Uh, when I was in Iraq, my, my family sent me DVDs. That's back when DVDs were still a thing, right? They sent me DVDs and one of the DVDs in there was the movie Freedom Writers. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, and I saw that movie and I thought, damn, like this teacher gets it. Like this teacher, Miss G, Miss Gruel, color Miss G, she gets it. She gets that what you teach is important, but who you teach and knowing how to reach them is just as important. And when you look at those kids, they look like a bunch of kids from the Northeast. So <laughs> I thought, man, this lady gets it. So that it popped into my head at that time. Like, all right, in the future wise, let me see how I can like copy Miss G. And then right when I was going to uh, get out, I, had, I was at my six months remaining mark. This was, a, this, was the, uh, this was the moment I decided, yeah, I'm going to go do that. The mat, I don't want to say the rank, but the person that was above me, my, one of my superiors, he said, you got six months left, Sergeant. What are you going to do? You going to stay in or are you going to get out? And I said, well, you know, I saw that GI Bill is looking kind of nice. So I, I, might, I might get out and go to, go to school. And I'll never forget this, man. He... He turned around, right? This was in front of all of the Marines from my from my oh, unit. Okay. He turns around. There's a door. And he knocks. And I'm like, the heck? And he does it again. And he said, this is going to be you. He said, within six months, you're going to be knocking back on this Marine Corps door because you're not cut out for college. And, I, and, and the people who were in that room, I still talk with them on social media so they can vouch for me. And I looked at him. I'm thinking, damn. Wow. Like, I'm coming to you for leadership right to, to to speak life to me right to motivate me to encourage me and here you are telling me that i'm not good enough to do to do school so i thought at that point i thought how many kids back home have heard similar words right or how many kids back home are thinking the same thoughts yeah i'm not i'm not good enough for college so at that moment i said yeah i'm out and i, I let my, my i let my unit know hey, i'm getting out and i let my mom know hey, i'm coming home And at that moment, I was on a mission to come back and help those kids who are in that situation, right, who think this isn't for them or that's not for them or whatever route they want. It doesn't have to be college, but whatever route they want because they don't, have, they don't believe in, this, in themselves yet. So that's when I decided to come back. Wow. You said there was a second instance. What was that? It was, a, was the, the movie. Sergeant. Yeah, the movie was number one. And no, then the. Did this guy tell you because he was being honest with you, according to him, or was it a way to motivate you? What you think is. is Oh, he was being dead honest. He was, yeah, okay. yeah. He didn't. He, he was being dead honest. He was. He was calling people out, saying he came back in, he came back in, and she came back in because the real world is hard and you're not going to make it. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is this is not cool. That's not leadership. Wow. <laughs> Now that you went to college for obviously to get your degree for, for you to start teaching, when was was it during those college years? Was it after that you knew that you had made the right decision? Do you remember a time that you said, you know what? I made the right decision. Definitely, this is for me. <laughs> Graduation. <laughs> college is hard, man. It, it, it's as you know, college, college is tough. Um, but I don't think I don't think college measures how smart you are. I think college measures how hard you're willing to work. Yep. 
and just like any job, right? Or any skill, any, mm-hmm. any, any, any where, any route you take. So throughout the whole college, I thought, yeah, I'm not gonna make it. But then I would knock on the when I would when I didn't want to study, I would knock on the table, and I was like, yeah, get your butt in the library and study. Um, but I didn't know it was it was something that I didn't know it was worth it until I walked that stage, right? And then the only reason again that I walked that stage is is not because of me. I think I would have quit. But remember my trainer Louis from San Juan. Louis passed away the year before graduation. And the last thing I told him on his deathbed was, because of you, I'm going to finish school. Since you motivated me, since you believed in me, since you spoke life to me, because of you, I'm going to finish school and I'm going to graduate. When I walked that stage, tears were just falling down. And at that moment, I thought, yeah, the, the rest of my life, I'm going to honor Louis and I'm going to give him a return on his investment that he made in me. Wow, and it's crazy because, of course, I did my research. I checked a lot of your podcasts, a lot of videos. And now that you're telling me this side of the story, like, everything makes sense. It comes full circle as far as the reason why you're doing it, why you're passionate about it. But I want to go back a little bit because the truth is that there's two types of people, right? When they have a negative experience like the one you had, right, when you when they, well, well, when they you were exiting, um, the truth is that either they doubt themselves and they say, you know, yeah, maybe you're right. Like I have always thought that maybe I'm not good enough for this. And now someone that I respect is telling me that. So, yeah. And then they take it, the, the, the negative side, right? And in your case, you decided to use that as courage, uh, to use that as a way to motivate you. And now you're doing that to make sure that you're that person that motivates them. Wow. That was so, so much yeah. respect for you. Thank you so much for Appreciate sharing. Appreciate it. Thank you. Let's go back to Avid. You said now you're an Avid, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, t- talk to us about how long you were uh, teaching Avid and then what happened after. So, yeah, Avid is um, Advancement via Individual Determination, uh, College Career Readiness. Um, I was an elective teacher and the coordinator. So I had to teach, but then I had a bunch of other uh, leadership responsibilities that went along with that, uh, like collecting data and recruiting fifth graders. I posted about that today. Um, and then training teachers on, on the campus on how to use strategies that kids actually like right ways to make school fun and enjoyable but then also we bring the learning part um, behind it right so i did that for four years um i taught every four years and then that that fat that final year the fourth year is when the teacher of the year thing uh happened right um and then the door started you know the phone started ringing right with uh with hey come speak come share and then the um the video went viral um, and then avid the actual organization called me and they hired me to work for them specifically. So that was like a dream come true because when I, I remember my first AVID training, I, th- I thought to myself, I wanna be what, I wanna be where they're at. And it was the trainers who were teaching us how to, how to teach this program. And it was just mind blowing, right? Um, AVID is every school in El Paso, every school everywhere, all around the world needs AVID actually. Um, but yeah, I did that four years and then AVID hired me as a, on the speakers bureau um, and also as a uh, staff developer to train other teachers. Um, and then the Ellen show, uh, the Ellen show happened because of the video um, as well. So all that happened, the avid, the Ellen show, the viral video, all that happened in my in my fourth year, fourth uh, year. Uh, fifth year. Sorry, my fifth year. My bad. But teaching avid was four. Yeah. Wow. Senor, talk to us about the Ellen experience. Tell <laughs> us and be honest with you. Uh, well, be honest with us as far as how much you won. During- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm already thinking about the clip I'm on a post, by the way. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Ellen, man, she's she's the truth. Everything you see on TV, that's her. That's her. That Her whole team is that way, her whole staff. Um, everything about that show that you see on TV is them in real life, right? And I was there for, you know, two days, so I, I was just enjoying it the whole time. But anyways, um, 
she invited me to the show after she, after she saw the speech. And I thought I was just going to be in the audience. I had no idea I was going to be on the show, right? <laughs> so I'm sitting in the audience. And, I'm just, you know, we did two episodes that day because they had to do uh, two weeks. So we're on the second show. So I'm even getting a little tired, right? Like, oh, man, I need a Red Bull. I hadn't ate that day because I was nervous. Um, but I was still having fun. And then when that second show started, I don't know where Ellen starts her monologue at the beginning of the show. And then she says something like, we want to honor a teacher from El Paso. And I'm like, there's so much from El Paso here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I started looking around. I'm like, wow, who else is here from El Paso? And she says, Rick. I'm like, no way. And I put my head down and I got nervous. I almost cried right there. I'm like, there's no way. She's calling me. Rick Ramirez, come on. And boom, I just immediately was starstruck, man. Like, I blacked out. I ain't gonna lie. I blacked out. I had to ask the... The producer, hey, did I do anything stupid on the stage? <laughs> and she was like, no, don't worry. That happens all the time. She's like, you're great. But I, I played a game, Holy Roller. Um, Ellen hooked me up, right? You have three chances to win the prizes. And the first prize was like $25,000. Second prize was 50000 The third prize was seventy five, And I missed it by like an inch. And then Ellen and the the other uh, host, the other uh, her assistant, right, they have a little conversation. I'm like, what's going on? And he says he wants to help me out. So they bring out some rails that basically guide the ball in for $100,000. Man, I've never seen $100,000. <laughs> I've never even thought about having $100,000, man. I'm from the Northeast, you know? <laughs> like, grow, growing up very in, from humble beginnings, man, like, that type of money, like, you're rich. And then when I got the money, I had to pay some bills, and I realized, oh, wow, that's okay. So my mindset changed after that in, in a lot of ways. Wow, what were you feeling right after? I'm, I'm sure it was joy, surprise. I mean, it's so many things, I'm sure. What do you remember from that? I was emotional, man. Uh, extremely emotional. Um, what Orlando knows, I'm, man, I'm an emotional guy. When I go out and speak and I share my message, um, I was emotional because, one, I thought mom saw that. Like, damn, like, I, I got to make my mom happy. My brother saw that, right? And then where it really hit me was my students saw that. Ooh, okay. Ooh. And I'm thinking, like, wow, like, these kids – from my neighborhood, from my part of town, from my classroom, they're seeing that their teachers. I'm covered. I'm covered in tattoos, right? You've seen. I got a sleeve of tattoos, right? No, no, no gang-related tattoos. I just like tattoos. But they're seeing that this guy in their classroom, who's just normal, average person, right? They know I'm not like on the level of some of the other teachers. Normal vocabulary. Love wearing Jordans to school, and they saw it's possible for me. What's possible for them? And that's when I was like, yeah, you're, you're doing something. You're onto something here. And, and it, it took a lot of people. It took Louie and it took Ellen. Right? It took Orlando. It took my mentor, Jennifer DeGraff. It took all the teachers that I learned from. But then it just took those students, man. Like these, these kids, I got. I had a, a group of 50. I had them as 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. And we called them Mr. R's 50 Stars. They named it Mr. R's 50 Stars. And I thought, dang, like for the rest of my life, we're going to have this memory together. Came right back home. And... We had a we had a watch party at Peter Piper, and I invited all of them, and and we all we all watched the show together, and the kids were just happy and cheering, and according to them, their teacher's a celebrity, but <laughs> no, we no we ain't, we ain't that. <laughs> wow, so no, well, thank you for sharing. Now going back a little bit to speaking, what's your purpose? I know you you, you initially wanted to focus a bit more on students and sharing the message, making sure you motivate, which you, you still do, but now I believe you're focused a little bit more on teachers, so it's it seems that you're speaking more to teachers, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it, it's funny. Uh, it's funny how how God works. I originally went into the speaking side to help kids, 
to empower students and, and to help them overcome adversity, to let them know, yes, your problems are relevant and, and they are important. However, you can get through it and you can get to the other side. And here's how you're going to do it. Right? And I let them know what I did. Simple things that we all learn. Right. Um, but they just want to hear it from someone who they can relate to. Right. I don't go in with a suit and tie most of the time. I go in as me. Um, so as soon as they see me, the first thing they say is Orlando can tell you, oh, I like the Jordans, mister. And to me or to everyone around, they're like, oh, yeah, they, they like his Jordans. But to me, I'm thinking he's already going to listen to me. I'm connecting with him. I got sure. him right. Mm-hmm. They're hooked. Um, so I, I, I started out with, with students originally. That's my, my main intent was students because presenting to adults is hard, right? Kids will listen to you. And if they don't like what you're saying, they'll just turn you out. Adults will listen to you, or if they don't like what you're saying, they're going to go talk about you on social media, Ooh, right? Okay. So I thought, man, I don't want to do adults, man. These, these, they're going to, I don't look like a teacher from what everyone tells me, right? I don't look, I don't look the part, I don't dress the part. They're not going to listen to me. But my mentor, Jennifer DeGraff, she said, no, they don't care what you look like. They care what, you, what your heart is at. They care what, 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 what life you're going to speak to them. She's like, so you're going to share with teachers too. And then after that, next thing you know, I'm getting called just to speak to teachers. <laughs> I'm getting called to speak to teachers, I'd say, 80% more than I am to get called to students. But then when the school's call, I say, hey, while I'm there, let me talk to your students too. I don't want to forget why I got into this whole speaking thing. I don't even like my voice, but I got into speaking because of the kids. So I always tell them, let me go back to the kids, man. Even if he can't give me the whole assembly, give me 20. Give me your 20 toughest kids in the, in the, in the campus, the kids who get the most referrals. The you kids, ask for that proactively? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I call it I, I call it a tough teen workshop, right? And I get my toughest twenty, and we 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 have this just this powerful session where I get I, I'm vulnerable with them, and then they open up. Some kids have on the spot have turned in their knives. Um, I, I spoke to a school in L.A. Um, outside of L.A. Kid turns in his knife. Um, kids are going back to the classrooms apologizing to their teachers, right? Because kids can be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, kids going up to the principal, giving her a hug, saying, I'm sorry. Like, I've been I've been I've been rude to you for no reason, but it's not your fault. It's because of what's happening outside of this school. So I love doing that part, too. But, yeah, I get I get called mostly to, to talk to teachers now. And when I talk to teachers, I just focus on the importance of relationships and education, the importance of being a champion for your students. Um, There's a quote from Miss Rita Pearson, who uh, the late great uh, Rita Pearson. And then I, I give them strategies on how to build classroom culture, how to build relationships with kids because kids kids don't care what your title is. Kids don't care how much education you have. Kids care about how you treat them. Yeah. Once you treat them good, you have a chance at reaching them, right? You have a chance at teaching them. So that's my focus with teachers is reach them before you teach them. Wow. And definitely that's so important because I know maybe the, the one of your main focus, especially at the beginning, was students. But if you are effective at passing the message through the teachers, the chances of impacting more people, of course, is greater, right? So again, just hearing your story, I'm like, oh my God, that's such amazing story. And what you do, of course, your passion around it. Let me ask you, sir, going back to, uh, you said all this happened within five years, right? Um, was there ever a moment that you said maybe within the first year or second year, you know what, maybe uh, teaching is not for me, a moment that you want to quit, to quit or maybe um, you haven't had one of those moments? I, I can honestly tell you that I, I've never had that. I never had that moment um, as far as, as the workload, right, or as far as the pay. Like for me, it was never about the pay um, because for me, teacher pay was the most I had ever got paid. And I, I'm cool with that. I don't need much, right? Single man, no kids. Um, I didn't need much. So I was cool with the pay. It was more than I got paid when I was in Iraq. 
So I'm thinking, I got, no, I got nothing to complain about because I'm not working uh, seven days a week, 12 hours on, 12 hours off. I'm not in a war zone. I'm, I'm home. I'm at peace. So I never had that thought process until the, the last year that I was in education. Um, there was a change in leadership. And, and I don't want to say anything bad about anyone, but that shift in leadership, the, the shift on, on focusing, the, the, the shifts went from focusing on kids to focusing on data and test scores. And I'm, that's not my style. Like all the data and the test scores will automatically increase if you focus on the kids first. Yeah. When you do it backwards, you no one wins and the data goes down, right? So I, that last year I thought to myself, okay, if schools keep calling, then I'm going to answer the call. So many schools were calling me in Orlando to, to go to go share a message that I had to go, I had to go, right? I had to leave. And I told God, like, if, if this is for me, then show me, right? Next thing you know, the phone starts ringing and people are calling us in L.A. and in San Antonio and um, Arizona, like everywhere. I'm just like, wow, like, all right, God, I see you. And, you know, as, as a teacher, I can't be I can't leave that campus too much or else it looks bad as a teacher. It looks bad for those kids. So I made the tough decision to to focus on, on sharing my message as long as schools were calling. And to this day, they haven't stopped calling. Nice, nice, senor. As I was telling you earlier, my sister is a teacher. My One of my best friends is also a teacher for special education. And yes, I, I see the work that they have to put in, not only within their mm -hmm. 8 to 5 or whatever the, the school schedule is, but after the weekends. And I always tell my sister, you really have to love this because there's no way that, I mean, for that pay, if you really divide it to the number of hours that you're working on this, why do you do it, right? And going back to the, uh, that, it, that's why teaching is such a beautiful um, position or profession because the truth is that anyone that starts, and correct me if I'm wrong, they start from the love of teaching, right? Now, my question is, what happens when some teachers make it an A25? Because I'm sure everyone starts with a passion, but then your message, I'm sure you're able to read out the audience. I'm sure you're able to read out some of the, the ways they react to you. What happens around the way that they just give up and they go back to making an 825 and it's not teaching with a passion, with a purpose? What happens there? They forget their why. Okay. They forget their, they forget why they got into education. And, and uh, Inky Johnson says, people don't burn out because of what they do. People burn out because life makes them forget why they do it. And I've, I switch that. And I say teachers don't burn out because of test scores and because of data. Teachers burn out because they forget why they do it. And I get it. It's. I was, you know, I was once they're struggling too, trying to focus on kids and then they want the test scores to go up and they want data and they want this and that. So I get it. I, I get both sides. I understand it. But when you let people take you away from your why, when you let people tell you what your why is, when you let people tell you, nope, this is now your passion, then you're going to, yeah, you're going to burn out for sure. And like I said, I, I get it. Um, and my heart goes out to teachers all over the place because it's, it's a real problem in education um, and, and teachers, especially now, right? with, with oh, yeah. online teaching and it's it's rough and, and let me just let me just go back when when i decided to make the switch to um to pursue the the presenting route full-time i was the current teacher of the year for the district and then i was cut at the same time i was cut where i was told you need to go to a, a teacher job fair because your position has been cut and i'm thinking how how i'm the teacher of the year you can't cut me you know like <laughs> Yeah, how's how's this possible? And when I read that letter, man, I was like, "Yeah, this this is this is this is tough." This I, is right I, after you were teacher of the year. While I was teacher of the year. Oh. Okay. While I was teacher of the year for for the entire district, not for the camp, but for the entire school district, and I thought this isn't this isn't right. 
not even a phone call saying, hey, let's put you where you want to go. It was just, hey, come to the teacher job fair. I went to the teacher job fair. All the principals I met, they were saying, what are you doing here? Are you here to promote the district? I said, no, I'm here looking for a job. Wow. Talked to two principals, and I and I, I couldn't do it. I left. Cry, I cried in my car. I left, and at, at that moment is when I said, all right, God, what do you want me to do? You want me to stay or you want me to go do the whole the presentation thing? I'm like, and I, you know, I trust you. And that's when everything else fell into place, like Ellen um, and schools calling. And that's when I was like, okay, I, I know, I know what I got to do. Wow. What are some things going on through your head? Even though you mentioned some of the things, were you <laughs> thinking maybe that is, um, this award of Teacher of the Year is just nonsense? I mean, it's not really valid. What, what, are, what are the things going through your head as? You basically are out of a job when they gave you the title being the best. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, it it, it it stung. It hurt. It took kind of it, it kind of took some of the prestige away from it. Yeah. And I thought, man, if, if they're not going to have my back, they're not going to have nobody's back. Right. And I'm not saying nothing bad about about anyone or any organization or any district. But I know as a student who studies leadership. Right. I do have a master's in educational leadership. And I am in a doctoral program studying educational leadership. That's not the way you do business. So I'm thinking, what message are they sending to everyone else? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you just don't do business. Like, I, 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 would, I would think I'm going to at least receive a phone call. Like, hey, you're the best teacher we got. Like, sorry this happened, but it's business. Budget cuts. I get it. Cool. Let's help you. Where do you want to go? You know what? I, I told the school. I said, put me an alternative. Put me to work with the toughest kids on the campus. We don't even have a teacher there right now. We got subs coming in out. Like, I can reach them. I wouldn't budge. Why not? Politics. Wow. Leadership politics. Um, so, yeah, I just, I was hurt, man. I was hurt. I was crying. I, I did cry because I love that school. I love that campus. I love those kids. Oh, the kids? I had to let them know because right around that time, they were already registering for their classes for the next semester. And when Avid wasn't on, on the choice slips, Kids are like, what's going on? So I went to a school counselor. I said, what do I do? I'm like, you tell me. Do I tell the kids? Do you tell the kids? Because they're asking. And she said, let them know. And when I told them, man, one of the hardest days of my life. These kids broke down. Yeah, and I can just imagine you, of course, because you're already dealing with the adult side of it, the professional side, and then talking to kids, which I'm sure they respond. Some other responses, I mean, they definitely – you don't even know what's going on at the full range. Imagine them. So, wow. Yeah. No, senor. Now, let me ask you on your support system, because, again, very difficult situation. What is it that you do when, when this happens? Is it that you think about it on your own? I know you have mentioned that maybe you trust God in, in, in some instances. What is something that you do that has helped you out kind of like get – get into a positive mindset instead of like going down and going into depression mode or maybe like something negative? Good, Yeah, good question. So I, I, th I think my mindset with that is, all right, kids listen to what I say, yes. But more than listening to what I say, they're going to listen to what I do. So I thought to myself, what better way to show these kids how to overcome adversity? Not by my words, but by my actions. And, and showing them that even though you go through situations like that that are not fair to you right you've done everything right you're the you get the award you've done everything right life's still gonna shut the door on you sometimes that's that's how life is i thought to myself what if i show these kids how to overcome adversity by my actions and that's kind of what i live by so when adversity strikes like i hate school man <laughs> i hate school but when i feel like quitting what would i tell my students to keep going 
to discipline yourself, sit down, turn off the Netflix, turn off whatever they're, they're playing Fortnite's and all that right now, right? Turn that off and do your work. So that's why I do. That's what I do. I say, okay, what message would I give to a kid who's in my situation with what I'm dealing with? And then I take that advice. You got to practice what you preach. Wow, that that that's so true. As far as instead of complaining, instead of blaming someone, something. I, and I have always said this. There's always a moment to do that, by the way. And it's healthy to do that. Go ahead and yell, cry, blame something. Whatever you want to do within, I don't know, let's call it five minutes. But mm-hmm. then after that, okay, what are you going to do? You have two options, basically. Either yeah. you take this the negative route or you go the positive route. And in your case, you're describing that you always go back to your why. And that's what helps you push you through, right? The kids, man. That's my, yeah, you're right. Wow. Man, that's, that's my why. That's, also, that's ahorita I'm going to start crying, <laughs> by the way. And, and, and it's crazy how you were telling me this, like every single guest that, that I have had, that very successful, very passionate on what they do, they just share that, that mindset of, hey, I'm not here to complain. Or, of course, everyone has a difficult situation, difficult time, but... I mean, either I go left or I go right, and I'm always going to go right. So it's, I mean, it's so satisfying to, to hear you say that, especially now that you have a direct influence on kids or people in this case that influence kids. So again, kudos to that, senor. Let's move on into the educational system for a little bit. Senor, what is the best age you think um, for kids that we can still influence them? Like, is there any range that, okay, this is like the perfect age so so we can positively influence um, them? That that question applies directly to where I found myself. So I've been in, edu- in education in some way, some form, somehow, right? Some shape, some way. Since 2012, I started working at an elementary school as an after-school program coordinator. And I saw that at the elementary level, kids are very submissive they'll still listen to you and and you can still you know put fear into them a little bit hey you better come here you better stop running and a lot of kids will do it so i think they're still being molded there and then after that like i said i started teaching at the high school did you teach middle school is that also part of elementary um no No, elementary middle high okay yeah um so after i graduated and i stopped working the middle the elementary schools i went to the high school right um i I did my internship at, at jefferson i did some some subbing and some tutoring um, hours at Jefferson High School. Loved Jefferson. Sh- shout out to the Foxes, man. Loved Jefferson. Loved the kids. Loved, loved the culture over there as well. And then I went to, after the following year, I went to Irvin High School. And, I, and some of the kids, they were, like I said, they reminded me of me. Some of them are, some of them are already set in their ways. They're already so far gone. Some of them have never had anyone speak life to them. So they're already done, right? I thought, okay, well, if I reach the kids in the middle, maybe I have a chance at preparing them for that next level, which is high school. So that's when I thought, let me go to the middle school. And then when I went to the middle school, I realized, okay, so they're, they're, they're not as submissive anymore like they were in elementary school. They're not quite the full selves yet. They're still learning who they are. And I thought, what a, what a perfect time to, to help them build their character, right, to build valuable skills that they need uh, academic-wise but also personally-wise. So I, for me, everyone's different. Everyone thinks differently. But for me, I think the best age to catch kids to really mold them for the future is middle school. Wow. It's funny how I'm not an expert at all, at no, all. Neither but <laughs> no way, you are in this case, at least from both of us here. And I always thought the same thing. It's in the middle school because once you're in high school, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. And when you're in elementary, I don't, we don't know if it sticks. I think uh, for me, that that's kind of like the age. 
again, when I have conversations like this with friends, with my daughter, um, let's go back to teaching a little bit. Um, what's the difference? I think you already answered as far as that we, uh, well, teachers forget the why, but what are some other differences between good teachers and bad teachers? Or let's not call it bad, but maybe just passive. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I like that. I, I've had to learn the hard way that, you know, you have to, with, with, with teachers, because just like kids, we don't know all their stories. With teachers, we don't know their stories either. So some of them may appear some way because of other things. But I think uh, uh, what separates a good teacher from other teachers is that a good teacher sees more than an ID number. A good teacher sees the human being first, right? Then there's there's this big push right now for Maslow before Bloom, which is your basic needs before pushing them academically. So I think the I think really good teachers, a great teachers, see human beings before they see students, and they see someone who needs to be motivated and, and inspired and even entertained sometimes, right? As as a kid, I remember growing up and going to school, like some teacher would just put me to sleep, right? And, and it, you know, it's not their fault, right? But I realized some of the best teachers are entertainers, right? Some are edutainers. Let's let's call that hashtag. Wow, okay. <laughs> so they're, you know, they're, they're, they're high energy themselves. Like if you're bored as a teacher, your students are going to be bored. If you're mean as a teacher, you're going to produce mean students. So I think the best teachers lead by example. The best teachers would want their own kids in their classroom. Uh, it's funny you're saying that because when my daughter comes home and tells me about a negative experience with a teacher, of course, I try to see both sides and everything. And then when, when I just I just can't defend what like what the teacher did or, or the names that she used or, or some of the things, right? Mm -hmm. Like Elizabeth don't even worry about it because to be honest with you that that's this person this that's the teacher outside work as well a lot of times we we, we especially i remember when i was going in school i thought teachers were gods <laughs> like uh, we, we saw someone outside school like oh my god look at the teacher right but then once especially because the friends that i have that are teachers like you know they're of course they're normal human beings but at that age we think yeah. that, that they're like something else right what are you doing at walmart exactly no wait 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 <laughs> what is that teacher drunk it happens right but then going back to those negative or, or those i'm not gonna call it bad teachers but maybe not the best the truth is that it's not only that they're suck at their job you know they suck at life too and that's the challenge for sure and that's you know sadly or, or truthfully you have that in every profession yeah. right in every field it, it just sucks that sometimes you have it in a field that you're impacting the future um, but yeah, they're in, they're in every field, and, and I think some I think education has changed so much that some people who got into the education and it was a certain way with all the changes that have happened, they're just like, Psh, nah, I'm good. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do my my eight hours and I'm and I'm gonna leave. And it happens, it happens, and that's why it's important for other teachers to to really step in and be their champions, right? So Rita Pearson says that a, every child deserves a champion who is a, which is an adult who will never give up on them who understands the power of connection and insists they become the best they can possibly be. And once I heard that, when I was in college, I heard wow. that, I thought that's what I'm going to live by. Yeah. That well said because I'm sure you you know this and, and you see it on a daily basis, is that, uh, I don't know the percentages, but a lot of times they don't have the right support system at home, right? Mm -hmm. uh, again, my daughter comes home, tells me st uh, stories about like friends of hers, and I'm like, no, I, I don't believe you. She's talking about one of her friends 
cutting herself. Not, not maybe it's someone else. I'm not gonna. <laughs> Hopefully, it's mm-hmm. you're not watching this. But you know, like, like really stories about the mom not being there, like at a really, uh, I don't know, competition that. And not because she was working or something else, but that she preferred to go shopping or, I mean, stories that I hear like that, like, no, you're, you're kidding. Like, I don't believe those stories. But then when I look back and really analyze, yeah, you know what? A lot of times, and that's the reason why I try to share the message of, you know what? Before you judge, before you yeah. start hating, think about the other side because we never know. Even that person yelling at you or, or or acting not the way they should. The truth is that there's a high chance there's something that you do not know about and if you were to know about it, you would definitely understand that. So as a teacher, and that's why it's so important to have people like you that you get that and you see it. I'm, I can guarantee you that you see it on a daily basis. You know what? This person has a good support system. This one doesn't. Regardless of the money, regardless of, mm-hmm. of again, if, 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 if that parent has, has money or not, it's the attention, the support system and everything else that unfortunately, this is what they're going to need the rest of their lives. A lot of times I tell Elizabeth, don't, I, I focus on school. I graduated college and it's really important. But what is more important to me is for you to know responsibility, yes. for always have a positive mindset. To be honest with you, because she freaks out when she gets a B, for example. <laughs> okay. Oh, you, it's my, my daughter's a, a little nerd, for sure. <laughs> uh, and you know what? I push attendance. She has had perfect attendance uh-huh. for nine years straight. Beautiful. And I'm like, bro, like, and she, A, honor, and I really don't care about that. It's just that aspect. And when, mm-hmm. when, when, uh, when there's competition that she doesn't want to do for speech or whatever, you know what? Courage over comfort every single time. And that's, I can guarantee you because she was, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you more details after. I don't want to go into uh, yeah, that yeah, story yeah. right now. <laughs> but the truth is my daughter was crying before this competition that she had. And she said, you know what? I volunteered because no one else volunteered for this teacher. And I felt bad for the teacher. But uh-huh. once she was doing there, she, uh, I was going to go to the gym in the morning. It was Saturday morning. She started crying. And I was just saying goodbye. And I was like, hey, why are you crying? I don't want to do this. I'm scared. Because she's very shy, by the way. Uh-huh. And I'm like, God, like this right here, because she was able to overcome that. She was able to do the speech. But what she told me, not that good, by the way. But um, the fact is that this right here, it's better than so many, so many other classes like math or mm-hmm. geometry or history. I don't know. With all of respect, everything's important. But the fact is, this, you're gonna get more out of this moment right here for you. You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the challenge than anything else. However, and and not to pride my, myself, but she has a good a support system that she sees me working, going to school. Even though it took me six years to graduate UTEP, but I'll, but again, I don't wanna uh, boost myself or anything else. But she has that support, at yeah. least that example. Mm-hmm. And when, when I think about others, uh, especially kids, they don't. So then figures like you that get that, by the way, that understand that like what you do, it, it impacts them, not in that class, but outside of the class. That's why I was so excited to talk about well to you regarding this type of stuff because you get it and hopefully we can influence maybe other teachers that are on the brink of giving up or ju- you know what, just losing passion to, of what they do. They don't understand that all those people hating on Facebook, all those people blaming on mm-hmm. Facebook, all those people spending all day on Facebook. Wait, they're all adults now, but there was there were kids and they never understood the like why they're like that. And that's why when I see something bad and or people hating or someone like, you know, what? I'm sorry, but it, it goes back to the story of well, maybe a kid <laughs> that you were way off, that you never got that support system. Brother, you get it. Uh, you're, you're talking, you're taking me to church right now. <laughs> you want me to interview you? Now? No, 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 no. <laughs> no I get passionate about I stuff love like it. that because I see it all the time with kids. And it's it's sad. When, when you're an adult, you, there had to be 
someone calling you out. There, there was a mm -hmm. moment that someone called that out, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe you went the negative way, the, the negative route, you, you didn't go the right way, and you know, but at least there was an attempt. However, with kids, they don't have that. That's all they know, you know, yeah. that's, and, and that's why it's so sad to see when they don't have, first of all, that support system, and it's sadder, I don't know if that's even a word, when teachers like give up on them and they, they just say no without understanding. And, and since you get it, I'm like, wow, so powerful, man. You're, you're taking me to church right now. I tell you, you get it. You're doing a great job with your daughter, by the way. Um, and and you, you mentioned a couple things that I'm shaking over here at the table. I mean, you mentioned a couple things that um, just one, you're probably to read in my mind or, or two, we're just on the same wavelength. I do an activity with, with students. When I go share in other, in other cities as well, it's called I Wish My Teacher Knew. And when I do this activity with these kids, again, this is after sharing with them for you know a good period and I'm vulnerable with them as well. They're writing these things down that will really, on the spot, you know, as tough as we are sometimes, they will break an, an adult down. Some of these kids were an example, and I won't mention any names, but one kid wrote, I wish, I wish my teachers knew that every night I go home, I see my mom and my dad fighting. And I tried to hang myself in my closet, but my dad caught me. And I have the paper still. Another kid, I wish my parents knew that I have so many uh, emotional issues that I do cut myself. And when, I, when my parents saw me cutting on my arms, I started cutting my legs. And when I stopped having room on my legs, I started cutting my feet. And, these, and the responses break your heart, right? And I'm thinking... That's why he doesn't want to, he don't care about fractions or he don't care about the Great Wall in China or whatever he's learning about in any class because he got all this going on. So we have to reach that kid first. We have to help them heal first. We have to greet them with love, right? And, and at least fake it. <laughs> hey, I'm happy to see you today. We're going to have a good day. Are you having a bad day? That's cool. We're all entitled to have a bad day, a bad morning. I have them too. I'm not going to call on you today, but can you at least do your work? When you come at them like that, like, all right, mister, I got you. And a lot of kids, they come up to me as soon as class starts. Hey, mister, I'm having a bad day. Can I just chill today? Like, I'll do my work, but I don't want to participate. I say, right, I got you. But tomorrow, you, you, you're the first one up. And, you know, make little deals like that. Boom. And a lot of them snap out of it. Right? But I do that. Right? Um, and then the last one before we move on is I, I, don't, I don't share this anywhere, but the conversation is so good right now. I, have a pair, I had a pair of twins I taught for three years. And, and we, they're, they're Hispanics. We call them cuatas. Right? What's the difference between gemelas and cuatas? Not identical, right? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you, okay. you tell me. I heard that one. You're like, you know what? I think he, he means gemelas, but okay. <laughs> so uh, these twins, man, they they are my why. And, and I will have a connection with them for the rest of my life. And here's why. During my lunch period, and this, this has never been out. During my lunch period, these kids come knocking on my door. And, and they got tears in their eyes but they're smiling so i'm like what okay what's going on what y'all need and they're like we gotta ask you a question and i'm like okay what's up like let's go come inside because i know something's wrong come inside and they can't talk and i'm like oh crap okay they're middle school kids what the hell are they gonna ask me so i'm like damn like girls do you need a counselor and they're like no no miss, we gotta talk to you here's what they asked me long story short one of them is brave enough to say mr r our quinceañera's coming up. And as you know, our dad's not in our life. For the past three years, Mr. R, you've been our father figure. And we want to know if you'll be our dad for our quinceañera. Woo! <sighs> let me tell you. Did you start crying? Yeah. Right there? Or did you wait a second? Come on. 
I, I, I cried. I cried on the spot. I looked okay. them in the eyes and I said, I, I wouldn't miss it for the world. I'm glad you see me in that light and, and I'll be there for you all. And I gave them hugs and we, we called parents and I, I, I said, I got to make sure it's okay with, with mom first and grandma yeah. first. And they were on the phone like, yeah, of course. Like they see you as a father figure. And some teachers are against that. But when I was a kid and I saw my sister at, at her quinceanera and my dad wasn't there, that's who I thought of. That's why you remember on the spot. Oh, okay. And I, that's why I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I got you. I'm going to be there for you. And to this day, we still keep in touch. And, and I still talk to their grandma. And, and we, we're, we're cool, man. That, so that let me know just how powerful our roles as educators are. Yeah. That let me know just how powerful it is to see young people, not ID numbers. Yeah. Right. Because we don't know what they're going. Like you mentioned, we don't know what's going on at the house. Uh, three years of these girls of, of when they got there, they were shy. Right. Shy wouldn't talk. By the time they're in eighth grade, they won't stop talking. But they did their work and we built a strong relationship and they worked for me at first. Right. Because of the relationship. But after they after they got to, they, they began to love the learning process, they stopped working for me and they started working for themselves. And that's when the, the magic of learning happens. Wow, senor. I'm sure that moment paid up front, hopefully I'm making sense, for all your teaching career, for whatever 30, 50 years. Because, and, and, and hopefully I'm making sense of what I'm talking about. I was telling one of my friends that with my first five episodes, like the conversations we were having, the people that accepted, the, the, the type of, of interactions that we're having, you know, that alone, that already paid me for all the, the times I mispronounce something that I can't say something mm -hmm. right, that I watch myself like, I can't believe you didn't know which word to use or that I'm, I don't know. That already paid up front for all, at least yeah. 50 episodes that I'm going to do because that was so great. And it, it like, I felt it so good to that not, that I, I can't come up with a better word that, you know, and I'm already paid up front for everything that I'm going to do next, right? So you. when you're describing this, I'm like, bro, you can always go back to that story. And that's it. That's your why we're teaching. I'm sure there's plenty more, but that is so impactful for sure. Happiest moment of my career. Happiest, one of the happiest moments of my life. Of and your life, yeah. It's it's again. It just it shows you how powerful teachers are, right? If they choose to be. All right. If they now, choose to be. Let's talk about that because you say if they choose to be, but do you think that sometimes they just don't know how? Yeah, that that could be part of. I actually, yeah, that definitely. Um, I think sometimes some people come in with with a mindset that oh, I got to get straight to content. I got to get straight to the curriculum. I got the star test coming up. I have to be on track with my with scope and sequence, which is the curriculum. I, I don't have time to do anything else. I got I have to do just content, content, content. Um, I had this dream that I was going to teach these kids how to do uh, math or history or science. And that's what I'm here to do. But that's where I come in and I say, hey, do you teach math or do you teach John? Oh. Do you teach science or do you, do you teach Susie, right? You're teaching Susie math. And on top of that, let's take it deeper. Are you really teaching them math or are you teaching them life skills through math, through science, through history? And that's once you can make that connection, you, when, you, when you can bring it full circle, that's when the real learning happens. Wow. That, that, that's so well said because as you're saying this, I'm thinking, and, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong, 
But I'm sure there's people, again, if you go into teaching, nine out of 10, if not more, they go with the passion of wanting to impact someone, right? Because yes. I don't think they do it for the money. So I doubt, well. Um, Definitely not for the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, what I'm thinking now is that maybe after years of not having that moment that you see that you are impacting someone in a positive way, they just maybe give up and, you know, I'm just going to teach or, or talk about this cl- uh, science or math. But because they maybe they were never helped with how mm-hmm. to do that, right? And how easy. to impact someone. It's five ways. Go for it. Give us the five ways. Be a champ. Okay. That okay. was one. Be, it's an acronym. Okay. There you go. <laughs> C. Celebrate them. Okay. Celebrate what? Everything. Celebrate it. You came to class today. Thank you for coming to class today. How many times has, has, have your teachers told you, thank you for coming to class today? And that's how I start class every day. It's a celebration. Class, you could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to be right here with us. Thank you so much. And then I say, we do this whole thing. Like, I respect you, class. I respect you too, Mr. R. I'm so happy to see you, class. I'm so happy to see you too, Mr. R. Give me two claps and riffler. <laughs> Woo! And it's fun. <laughs> We're celebrating that the fa- that they came to school. I'm, I'm going to celebrate that uh, they scored their goals in soccer. I'm going to celebrate the fact that they got A, B, honor. I'm going to celebrate that he gave effort. I'm not going to celebrate just A's and B's. I'm going to celebrate effort, right? So that's the C, the H, humble. Be humble. Take off that teacher badge sometimes. Take off that principal badge and just be a human being with them. Let them know, hey, just like you struggle with anxiety and depression, I've been there too. And as an adult, I still struggle with it. But here's how I get over it. And here's how you can too. H, now we have A, approachable. Are you approachable? Right? What do your facial expressions tell kids? What does your body language tell kids? When you stand outside in the hallway, are your arms crossed? Don't talk to me. Get inside, sit down, do your work. Or are your arms open, giving high fives, giving dabs, giving hugs? Me, I got it's a party going into my class. Kids know that it's a party going into the class. We're doing high fives. We're doing um, what is it called? The tunnels, right? Kids make tunnels for themselves because we're it, school should be celebrated, not to- tolerated. So that's the A. Are you approachable? The M. Um, the M is for motivate. You have to motivate your kids, right? Si se puede. Yes, you can. You can do it. You didn't get it yet, but you'll get it tomorrow, right? You're not on track today, but tomorrow we'll get it. So the M, motivate. And there's so many different ways to motivate kids. But another powerful way to motivate kids, especially in a border region, is show them examples of people who look, sound, and, and sound like them. Show them examples of, uh, again, whatever culture we're dealing with here, it's a, we're a Hispanic culture. Show them success stories of, his, of Hispanic people. Right, you had Singado over here the other day. Imagine having pictures of him in the classroom. Hey, he's from here. He's he's Hispanic, just like you guys. Look at him. Been around the world, millions of followers, like in influential person. So once they see that, like, oh, okay, now, all right, now their brains are turning. Possible. Right. Yeah, and then and the last one is P. Just give praise. Give praise for everything, as as much as you can. Give praise, and there's there's some, a difference between celebrating and giving praise. Right. So when you give praise, when you when you praise someone, say, hey, John, you know, you raise your hand. You got the answer wrong. But I appreciate you, dog. Like, thank you for trying. Like, hey, Jack, uh, you got a 70 on that test. Better than a 60. Like, <laughs> I give you credit. I praise you for that. Like, oh, you got a new haircut today. Kids notice. Like, oh, they Mr. Arnold. I got a haircut. Don't get me started with haircuts. <laughs> I have a you know what? I'll get started with haircuts. Uh, but before be, before we end the subject. I'm, I'm really hoping that a lot of teachers watch this or someone that wants to be a teacher because you're absolutely right. It's it's outside the books that you're going to find more um, benefits, not only mm-hmm. for students, by the way, but for yourself. I'm, yeah. I'm sure that 
you have a better day. Your day goes much by much faster by again having fun at school and oh, knowing yeah. that you impact instead of just teaching. Even yeah. if maybe you're just your attention is just reading out a power uh, mm -hmm. a PowerPoint, I'm sure that even your day and you're happier as a person having that approach opposed to just I'm gonna just read out of this power slide. You know, and sometimes you're. Testing season, yeah, teachers are in there, man. They're 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 working hard. Like teachers work so hard. Sometimes you you just have your little champ printed. Damn, I didn't celebrate nobody today. Oh, yeah, boom, you do a celebration real quick. And was I approachable? Am I approachable right now? And just a little reminder, and then you boom, and then you get back into your content. But just remember, be, be a champ. Wow, that's so cool, senor. Nice. Well, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Let's get into the subjects of of confidence, which is the the haircuts that you said that that um, students like. If if they're happy that you notice it, do you, don't you think that they notice them themselves that they look better than like with long hair or whatever it is? And the reason why it's such and hopefully this doesn't sound a as, a, as a commercial, even though I'm running a hair salon, but uh, that's not my intent. Mm -hmm. If it sounds like that, please take them to another hair salon because <laughs> the truth is that I see the how the kids smile changes because the, the parents don't bring them in two months maybe a month maybe i mean it, it just i mean you can tell that uh, that person that either boy or girl needed a haircut like long time ago right mm -hmm. and again the <clears throat> reason why it's so important is because what people don't see is that they notice and other kids notice as well and their confidence it goes up as soon as you see them like with a with a uh, once they they get their haircut it, it just the immediate change and again, going back to now that they, they 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 want the teachers to notice, they want other kids to notice. Like they also know that maybe when they need a haircut, and when parents we don't have that responsibility. That's something tangible. That was gonna go to my, my my next question as far as what parents can do. But if you allow me to give that advice, is you know what, pay yeah. attention to that, especially in COVID. By the way, that oh okay, well maybe I don't need to cut them every two weeks or every every week. But the fact is that like you look good, you feel good. And that's an immediate confidence boost that's gonna pay off in so many other ways that maybe we're just thinking that no, it's a haircut or kicking away. No, wait, it's more than a haircut. It's it's confidence right there. Okay, we get passionate about things. Yeah, like that. you you walk and talk different when you have a haircut. Oh, definitely. <laughs> By the way, I haven't had a haircut since pandemic, but that's a different story. <laughs> Senor, now with the subject of parents. Okay, what are some tangible things that parents can do to be? I don't know if more supportive, but have a bigger role. Um, in the kids' lives. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let me just put out there. One, I'm not a parent. Um, so I, just, I have to make that disclaimer because there's you always... You are in a way, by the way. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, I got a, I got a couple hundred kids. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, there's always that one person who says, he doesn't have kids. How can you... No, well, let me just tell you what, what I see work that other outstanding parents are doing. Some things that my mom did. Um, and then some things that I just have conversations with, with my friends who are parents already, right? Um, see them. Kids all the time. When I do my, I wish my, my teachers knew, a lot of kids don't feel seen by their parents. You know, they, they, they go to school eight hours a day. When they go home, sometimes parents are still working. It, it happens, right? It's, especially now, right? They have to work. But parents don't see them. They don't, the only time parents really care about them is when report cards or progress reports come out. Or when they want to take selfies with their kids. For, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and then at that, it's a selfie and they're done. And let me post it on social media. I'm a good parent. And then they go. <laughs> but see them see them for who they are and, and and just have real conversations with them like put put the phone away put everything away a lot something that i don't think happens as much anymore and i mean i might be wrong but according to my own independent research at, with, with my students people don't have dinner at the table anymore 
right? There's no more dinner at the table. And, and, and if you are doing that, great. Keep keep doing it because it matters. Kids know, kids realize these things, right? But then at the, at that same time, see your kid as 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 the kid first, not the student. So so many kids are. My parents are strict on me. If I don't get all A's, then they're going to be upset with me. And then they go to school and they have all this pressure on them, right? And it's good. Parents keep keep motivating them, like be on them. But at the same time, you know, sometimes we have to realize that, hey, kids are going to mess up. And and when they mess up, at that point, it's important to build the kid back up, not continue to break them down. And I think that's what happens a lot. Um, I, I actually asked um, one of my parents. I mean, I have the message right here. I asked her when you had contacted me, I was like, hey, you're one of the best parents I've seen, um, uh-huh. and I and I had your your kid for three years. What advice would you give? And here's what? what yeah, and she was gonna come today too, but uh, she had she she had to work. So this is coming from one of the best parents that I've had. I've had her kid for three years, um, and now before two, you read that, what define a good parent? Just so we can be on the same page. Oh yeah, what do you mean a, a good parent who who knows that their kid is is a good kid. But they also know that their kid isn't an angel and they're not afraid to help put the kid back on track with the teacher sometimes. Right. right? A, a good parent is someone who ought to, on the flip side, is not afraid to go stand up for their kid. Sometimes adults can be bullies. And I'm just being real. Sometimes adults can be bullies. This No, this parent, she was there. Right. Um, I had a field trip. Anytime I had field trips, I took my kids to college all the time because it's important for them to see what a college looks like. I never saw UTEP. Until I walked on there as a as a student, so I take them to UTEP. She goes, she she would volunteer to go volunteer. Like, hey, um, my my son, I don't want to say names. My son's uh, his best friend's birthday is is tomorrow. Can I please take uh, donuts to the class or cupcakes? Like, hell yeah, come on through. And they come. The and best we, friend. Yeah. Wow. The best. Okay. Yeah, the best okay. friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah, not even my <laughs> yeah. son's birthday. Like the best friend. Wow, okay. Um, anything. Anytime I would send letters home that parent would respond. Anytime I asked for parent volunteers, that parent would would respond, right? And, and as busy as parents are working and taking care of kids, to still find time to be part of your child's education is a game changer. Two years later, I haven't had him for two years. He still goes to my house to do my yard. I pay him, but he does my yard. And who's the one that set that up with mom? Hey, my son's looking for work. I want him to earn his money. You got any side work for him? Yes, I do. <laughs> wow. Yes, so I do. Go ahead now. So Tell that's what the advice is. This is what Miss uh, what, what what Gabby said. Uh, Gabby said, and this was a direct quote. This was her, her direct quote. Well, I would say I would say parents who lead by example for parents to lead by example by speaking life and being an active being active role models are beyond beyond schoolwork. It's being a role model that will lead your kids to follow their dreams. Not what you want for your kids to become, but their dreams. I don't know if that makes sense, but being a role model, sometimes parents mistake it by teaching their kids to become what the parents' aspirations are for kids versus allowing the kids to follow their own dreams. I see that a lot. Sharing life experiences can lead kids to want to be different and make different life choices. That's my take on being an active role model. If you And then she said, if you need more. But wow. I, and I love that she said, let your kids... Decide for themselves what they want to be. A lot of times kids are forced into like the medical field and that's not what they're passionate about. Yeah, yeah. One of my Elizabeth's friends. Yeah, okay. Senor, and, and that was just so spot on because first of all, you have to be a role model. And, and and this is where if I can give any advice, if anyone's willing to hear me, I, I, I agree. There's some tangible things that we can do right now. Mm-hmm. Like 
haircuts be more make it a priority make sure that you set up a reminder every day 30 minutes hey let's let, let's have a conversation i mean there's some tangible things yeah, that you yeah. can do right now to start however you need to work as uh, you, you need to work on improving yourself as a person and this is something i've been saying you cannot be a good parent and a bad person that doesn't happen or a bad parent and a good person like no it's it's all around and a lot of times and going back to what you said we focus maybe on yeah we know that we're not doing good we 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 know that maybe i'm struggling with this but then we we put that pressure on our kids that no you need to do this you need to do that because maybe that's what you heard is the right thing to do or again that's what maybe you would want it to do in a perfect situation or scenario mm -hmm. but then we lose sight of hey work on yourself because then those other examples that you're yelling that maybe you are out of a job you're not looking for a job you're you're hating on people you're being irresponsible you're whatever that is guess what that that kid is picking from that so work on improving that yourself first and then you can do yes. it i'm gonna talk about something that i shouldn't by the way but the fact is that one of the things like i like i was telling you earlier i have custody of my daughter for it's been nine years it's just me and her right living at home and i i had her when i was in high school shout out to socorro high school by the way yes great school. um and the truth is that like i had her when i was 17 or 18 right and like i was still able to travel all over the world i was still able to go to college to utips took me six years and when i went around and traveled the fact is that a lot of times i i just had her her mom take care of her my mom my my sister take care of her mm -hmm. and i remember them at first telling me that hey that's you know you you now have a kid so it's your responsibility you need to do this and I, by the way i was leaving her with her mom so it's not like right, okay yeah. i'm not leaving her with a stranger <laughs> okay or even with them but sometimes i was right but it was very important and i don't know why to me that i have to be happy in order for my daughter to be happy. Yes, maybe mm -hmm. we missed that one week or three days that I was somewhere. But the fact is that once I'm spending time with her, you should hear our conversations that awesome. go really deep. And a lot of times I see the other side. I now see the, the, the parents on Facebook that they're perfect parents that they just focus on them. They have kids and 24 seven. And then the fact is that most of the times they're on their phone, both of them, mom yeah, and dad. Yeah. And then you, you think about the conversations. There's a high chance that you're not. They're just spending time because maybe that's what they think good parenting is. But they leave around other great other factors that contribute to that. Mm -hmm. So, again, my advice, if anyone is okay, dear, and my advice is, you know, focus on yourself. Of course, there has to be a balance. Tampoco leave your kids for two years so you can travel the world. It's not about that. But understanding that, you know what? I mean, unfortunately, my situation, I couldn't change it already. Mm -hmm. I was a kid, but I also knew that Saveske, I, I have to have a balance of what's making me happy, what I need to do. But now, now when, once I spend time with my daughter, and again, my daughter, it's everything to me, like you can tell the difference between, it's not only time we spend, it's the quality of that. Quality. But that comes after you're okay with yourself. For sure, yeah. I heard someone, I heard someone say, your kids are going to become you when they grow up. Yep. And maybe not career-wise, maybe not um, academic-wise, but who you are as a person, that's who they're going to be. So what you're showing them now is as far as who you are with your character just as a person, and I'm not even talking about success or, or um, job, or not, but who you are, your character. If your kid becomes you with your character today, would you be okay with that? And if you can answer yes, then you're doing a good job. 
And if you can, if you answer no, then it's okay. Then it's time to make the change, like you said, right? Because I don't think there's, an, I don't think there's a, a such thing as a perfect parent. I don't think there's such, such thing as a perfect kid. But I do think I do believe in progress. Yeah, definitely. Con- continuous. And then, and then on, on on top of that, the progress cannot be by chance. The progress has to be intentional. The growth has to be intentional. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Ahorita estoy llorando internally. Well, we can get into the subject as far as when there's parents that they won't divorce even though because of the kids. But dejate we can go into Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Anything else on that, señor? <laughs> Before we move on, are we good? Uh, just shout out to all the parents out there. I know times are tough right now. Um, and hopefully you take one good piece of information from here. From this part, but I know parents have it tough right now because they're working and then now they're teachers at home too. So shout out to the parents, y'all. Keep keep pushing. Don't give up. <laughs> nice. Nice. Thank you. Now, still sticking with the subject of parents, what's the biggest challenge working with parents or dealing with parents? A lot of times my sister not sends me, but when when I'm um, at her house, she shows me some of them, some of the messages, text messages that she gets from the parents. And oh my God. I can just imagine. I'm sure you have pretty good stories. I don't know which, <laughs> what, what kind of stories you can share, but what's the biggest challenge dealing with parents? Uh, I think one of the biggest challenges, um, it, one of the biggest challenges for teachers and parents right now is the lack of parental involvement, right? Uh, for every Gabby that I had, there was 20 on the opposite end Ooh. who I never met ever. Not Not one parent-teacher conference, right? Nothing like that. So not being involved, not being reachable. Because for a teacher to, to um, hold a kid accountable, first we have to go through the whole process. We have to counsel the kid. We have to call the parents. The numbers don't even work half the time, <laughs> right? But that's, again, that's that could be an issue where we have to fix too as an educator. So I realized that too. Like, oh yeah, I got, I got some work too. I got to go get those numbers myself. But I think the lack of communication sometimes um, is a big problem. And then I think on the flip side is when teachers are, Sometimes teachers do too much. <laughs> Sometimes teachers are sending home letter after letter, homework after homework. I need this sign. I need that sign. I need five hours of reading still. I need a parent signature. And that right there is going to turn parents off, right? So I think it works both ways. Like teachers and parents have to find an, a happy medium, a happy middle, and they have to meet in the middle and they have to be willing to meet in the in the middle. But it's going to take effort from both ends to actually have that dialogue because there's a, pu- a bunch of research out there, and I can't quote it exactly right now, but there's a bunch of research out there that when the parents are actively involved in their in their child's education, then their chances for succeeding in life, they grow exponentially, right? That could be graduating high school. That could be in Texas. Let me tell you, 11 kids drop out an hour in the state of Texas, an hour. Last in 2018, according to to um, from high school, from high school, from high school, 95, almost 95,000 students dropped out in 2018 pre before COVID. How about El Paso? Do you have those stats? Uh, not for El Paso. It was a statewide. Wow. But think of 11 an hour. That that right there is heartbreaking. And, and right there, I'm thinking, okay, where was the parent and, and and teacher teamwork to hey let's let's keep this kid in school like and it takes a lot of work. It and takes it's, a, it's it's teamwork. It's not only teamwork. the teacher. It's not only the parent. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it is only the parent. But if they have really solid uh, support system, but wow. I I, wow. I sent I sent a. I sent a letter home to kids uh, for parents. I said, hey, this is the project we're doing. Um, your student's going to be presenting a little bit about, about their background because we're trying to build the relational capacity in the classroom. Um, and we're trying to um, establish a good culture in here. 
all your all your son needs is if you can a picture of of them when they're a baby because we all we like to laugh at pictures right and the kids love it they have a blast i got the letter back from the parent who turned it over and she wrote in big letters i am tired stop sending me these letters my son doesn't even want to go to college leave me alone i have that letter saved so i'm gonna send it to you i'm gonna send it to you (laughs) i feel like we can talk about this for hours there's so many routes we can go I'm okay. thinking, what? Yeah, what, what are you thinking I, I, at that moment? I, have, I, have, I, had, I had a couple of college tutors with me, and I said, y'all, tell me he didn't write this. And they're like, no, that's that's not his writing. And I, at first I thought, how sad, right, just yeah, overall. But sure. then I looked at that kid, I'm thinking, damn, this dude needs somebody. Yeah. This dude, if he don't got it at home, he's going to get it at school. Like, I'll, I'll play that I'll play that double rule. Like, I'm cool with it because that's my calling. I'm, that's what I'm passionate about. So I told him, I was like, hey, don't worry about the assignment. Like, you could draw pictures. Like, we got you. And he's like, are you sure, mister? I was like, yeah. I was like, don't worry about it. He's like, man, my mom yelled at me. I was like, it's all good. My How fault. sad is sad. that? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. But now, analyzing analyzing the whole situation, I can guarantee you that parent had the similar interaction when that parent was a kid, right? And that's when we can go back to, okay, someone needs to break the cycle. And there has to be there people like you that, hey, here's, I know you, maybe you've been walking uh, the same way all your, all your life, but look, there's a different path that you can take. There we go. That's why teachers are so important, especially mm-hmm. good ones, of course. But oh well, let's talk about college and kids. Is every kid, every kid should go to college? No. Okay. Um, do I push for college? Of course. Why? Because, so here's what I tell people, or here's what I tell kids. College is not an automatic key to open the door to success. It's not. Facts. A lot of people are, with degrees are broke right now. But what college does, if you do it correctly, College would open more doors for you to get into what you want to do. Do all careers require a college degree? No, right? Um, there's people, there's barbers who make more than a lot of other professional careers, yep. right? Especially more than teachers, right? A lot of barbers are making very, they're, they're, they're very successful in t- terms of how, of how much they take home, especially now where a lot of barbers are, you know, they're, they're doing the, the new style and they're doing the designs and all that, right? Barbers are on a whole new level nowadays, right? Um, but I don't think college is cut out. I don't think every kid, I don't want to say cut out for college, but I don't think every kid wants to go to college. Should go to college. You don't think every kid should go to college? There's, so it, it's tricky. I, I do see benefits to college beyond academics, beyond the degree. You learn, you grow as a person, yes. right? You learn who you are. You learn who you're not, right? You, you, you learn about leadership. You learn about culture. You learn about how to work with other people. A lot of group work in college. Mm-hmm. You learn how to, so you do gain a lot of experience, um, from college, for sure. But some kids think, the reason I say no is because some kids think if they don't go to college that society sees them as a failure or society sees them as not as as as, um, as, as up in the uh, up on the totem pole as everyone else. And that's not true. Right? I, know, I know people who go to, to the trade school. Right? They go to the trade school. They go the military route. They go, what I tell kids is, I want you to go on whatever route you want to go on, but do it because that's what you want to do. Right. Don't don't not go to college because you don't think you're smart enough. Mm, okay. That's a great advice. Don't go to don't do this route because you don't think you could do the other routes. Let's figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life. And if college is in that plans, yeah, let's let's do it. I like I said, I do I do know that college opens up doors if you do it the right way. Right. If you if you I mean some people you get a um a, a bachelor's degree in underwater basket weaving. 
you know, is that for real? I mean, I hear it all the time. <laughs> I, I think it's real. I hear it all the time. But, you know, some people go to school right. and they say, well, I'm going to go for, uh, let's just say a liberal arts, liberal arts, period. Well, okay, well, what do you want to do? Well, I don't know yet. You're always talking about uh, pets. And so, why don't you learn about veterinarians? You're always talking about how you love animals. Like, let's look at. So that was my job as an avid coordinator was to get them to see the different opportunities out there. And college was a big focus. Um, and I think you do gain a lot of valuable life experience in college beyond academics, right? Um, but I don't, I don't think that that automatically qualifies you for being a success. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I, I, not that I don't push college, but I tell my dog, as long as you know what you're doing and you're happy and you know the path. and Because mm-hmm. the biggest thing I took from college is being open to other perspectives, working with yes. not only like like there were Brazilian people, there were people from Africa. Yeah, people, yeah. And, and that alone, that allows you to see different cultures, different ways to look mm-hmm. at the same thing. So that is one thing I took away. Also, by me taking six years, why? Because I knew that when I, when I was going to start something, I was going to finish it. And that yes. accomplishment, that confidence piece of, again, not the college degree, but the fact is that this is what I'm taking that, that it took me a long time, but I did it. Who you did know? you become in the process? Exactly. And the same thing applies to everything. Now, what I tell my daughter now, it's being, like you said, being smart about if you're going to go to college, of course, you're looking for, for that, those things that I'm, I'm, I'm describing, but also networking. It's such yes. a big role on that. I mean, there's there's ways. I mean, in my advice would be, not advice, I'm sorry, but if maybe you can wait a couple years before, well, well, this is when people don't go back to college. But the truth is that after graduating, maybe you, you still need to be a little bit more mature and, and have a vision. And then yeah. after that, go with it like 100%, right? But that's another story. And there's people on both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. There's people who say, college, college, college. And then there's people who say, college is dumb. You don't got to do that. No. Like, some people meet the love of their life in college, right? Yeah. Some people, def- they, they discover who they really are and what they're really meant to do in college, right? So I think it's just knowing who you are knowing what's best for your situation and not letting whatever you decide or not decide, not letting other people determine who you are because of that. Like, do you. Like, do what you want to do. Yeah, but such a great way to teach students that do not say that college is not for you because you don't think you're good enough, yeah. but that it's not going to bring you anything because the fact is that it it will for sure. Mm-hmm. But then again, and that's why we need you. <laughs> so, Yara, <laughs> let, let's go back into the, the schooling system. If you had it your way and you had the option, what were some of the things that you would change immediately? Uh, some of the curriculum. What I would, does that mean? Describe that. Uh, what's taught? What's taught in schools? The um, agenda? The is it the scheduling? Um, everything? Uh, not necessarily scheduling. Um, the subjects is what I, what I guess what I would call it. Um, th- there's there's a lot of things that we end up data dumping that we learn. I I, I can tell you right now I've I've never used pi in math. Right? Uh, pi is three point one four. I've never used it. Probably never will. And if I do need it, I'll, there's a calculator. And I'm not knocking math, so teachers don't don't beat me up. But instead of going into like, let's teach the fundamentals. Yes, we need the fundamental math, fundamental reading, fundamental uh, everything fundamental. Let's get that that fundamental fundamental knowledge down for sure. But then let's let's really teach kids about things like how to really um, credit right. How, what is a credit score? Right. A lot of kids are going they when they, as soon as they hit 18. And they get that first job, they're going to start getting those letters to, hey, here's a credit card. Here's a cre-. And a lot of them accept it. And a lot of them go into debt. And when they become, I don't know, mid, mid, late 20s, early 30s, when they want that house, 
because of the decisions they made when they were 18 with those credit cards, they can't get the house. Yeah. So why don't we have a, a class on, on real financial literacy in depth and not just one semester, but it still be something that that's incremental that grows. And your junior year, we're going to focus on this. Senior year, we'll focus on this. Let's talk about how to like, uh, what is the process of, of buying a car? All right. What is the process of, of what, did, how, what do I do to buy a house? I was 30, I was 30 years, 29 years old when I bought my house. Had no idea what the hell I was doing. I was never exposed to that. My family was never, you know, we didn't we didn't have that experience growing up. So I was never exposed to that. But why can't those why can't we do that in schools? I guarantee you some kids will show up to that class more than they'll show up to some of the other classes. You know what I'm saying? Um, so everything that's taught, um, I think what we need to change in education, too, is we need to teach start teaching the truth of American history. Uh huh. You lost me and go for it. I'm sure it's a good conversation coming. These textbooks were written, and I don't, I, I, I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but these textbooks were written to preserve a certain culture and a certain race innocence, and and to preserve to preserve white supremacy. Columbus is painted as a hero, okay, uh. and people have their sides, right? He's painted as a hero, but. When you look at what Columbus really did, I'm talking about the evils. It's not in the, it's nowhere to be found. It's not in the textbooks. So what I did when I, because I, like I said, I taught history at Irvin. What I did, I said, okay, here's what the textbooks tell us. Here's what, here's what it says. Now I have these other primary sources from people who were there. A primary source. Verified story, sources, of course. Right? Here's what they're saying happened. Raping people, raping, they raped villages, right? Rape, murder. Right, um, releasing bloodhounds on on the indigenous people. None of that is in American history books, in public education. Why? Why is Why is Black History Month just one month? Why is it not just history? Why can't we include Black Black History as regular history? Wow. Why? Because the system is designed to preserve a certain. What's holding the change? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have pointed this out, and and I'm sure a lot of people agree with it. What what's what's holding all these changes from happening? Policymakers, and and I'm and I say this with full with full confidence because I'm in a policy class right now. Policymakers, the people who are at the top, who are who are, who are in charge of of passing the bills and passing the laws for for educational policy, they're not educators. They've never been in education. They have very few ties to actual educators and they hold the most influence in getting the, the legislation passed educator groups don't have as much influence and we're in the trenches but if we want to say hey let's change the curriculum we're down no one's gonna listen to us because we're not at the top of the political uh totem pole if you will but policymakers who are have some type of political ties with big test making companies who are making millions and millions of dollars off of these standardized tests who are just driving kids crazy and driving teachers out of the field um, I'll, I'll tell policy. That's uh, so crazy because if you if we go back to schooling as a whole, it's a business. Districts get paid for students yeah. for their attendance. So then, why is it that? Because because that's not a bad thing, by the way. It doesn't mean it's a bad thing that we're supposed to just not do it. Like th that's a good approach. But then we're supposed to be also as parents to be able to hold someone responsible not only for results but that change that you're talking about as well. Right, because that's I guess when the, when it gets lost at the beginning. Well, at the bottom it is a business, but then it gets lost. That now it's an educational system that who knows who changes that? Like who has the final say to hey, you know what? Let, let's do rewrite all these books, 
And me as a parent, that which I'm a stakeholder, because I, but again, mm-hmm. it's my daughter, that whatever it is, the truth is that, okay, so that tells me maybe there's some opportunity to, to for me, at least to, to get involved more on that. And again, and maybe not to see the immediate change, but when we see, because it does matter, and, and that's why I lo- love to have these conversations, because maybe we see it as just a subject that, oh yeah, books should be changed. But I mean, there's... What happens when that gets changed, especially with everything going on? I don't know who I was talking about. Was it Joey, who's about to travel the world, by the way, and on a motorcycle? Mm-hmm. I would really recommend if I was in, in some um, uh, stand of power to to have high school or even middle school for them to travel out of the country and stay there for a full school year. Con eso there's no races with that. If it was mandatory for you to go, hopefully, to a third uh, uh, third world country, like I can guarantee you, nada eso racista, nada de, oh my yeah. God, we're the best. Bro, no one's the best. Like we all live the same way. But again, w- that's why that book, the, the the different perspective on it will, again, even though we're just talking about it briefly, but will m- make such a great impact and will deliver other results that maybe we don't see right now, but they're so important. That's how we start change. Okay, talking about it. That's how we. That's how we start change. You, 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 you can't change where you're going until you know where you're from. Yeah. And we don't. A lot of us were not. I didn't learn real history until college. Uh huh. And when I got to college, I was like, no, no way, this happened. You're crazy, Columbus. Like we have the day off because of him. Now he's he's a he was a pretty evil man. And and I'm sure there's so many other instances like that. Yeah, so like, many. So, so, so like many that, more. that's yeah. one of the. Biggest example, pero bueno, señor, that, that was very powerful. Thank you yeah. so much for sharing. Let me ask you something else as far as um, standardized testing. Is that something that you would also change, or do you agree with the way that is set up? I, I don't I don't agree with it um, to an extent. I think we put too much weight on it, right? Kids are literally having anxiety and panic attacks mm-hmm. before the test. They're sixth graders. They're fourth graders. That's not cool <laughs> on any level, right? Um, teachers, these these standardized testing are taking the passion out of teaching. And that's why a lot of teachers are leaving. And that's why a lot of teachers come upset. And maybe they appear to be a bad teacher, but they're just so done with the system. With Now we're teaching to a test. And teachers are fed up with it. So what I would, I, I think testing to, yeah, let's test to an extent, but let's not put so much weight on that test and then go out and report to the whole district and to the whole state, to the country. Well, this is a, a C level school. And then the school on this side of the tracks is a level school. But when you look at the economic differences between this side and that side, they have more access to things like internet access for one. Yeah. Right. So yeah, standardized testing, um, it misses the It misses the true point of education. It doesn't measure, um, progress. It doesn't measure progress at all. Right. It doesn't measure things like real things that are important in life, like character traits, right? It doesn't measure things like grit. It doesn't measure things like emotional intelligence. Oof. That test is missing the mark on so much where I, I wouldn't say completely ab- abolish it. I, I, I honestly would say that, <laughs> but I know we can't do that because we still have to have some sort of, well, let's check the learning, right? Let's use it as, as, as just a, a benchmark. Well, this is where we're at. Cool. Let's get better at that now. Not necessarily this is where we're at. Your school is now going to be taken over by the state because of low test scores for the past um, X amount of years. So get test scores up or else TEA is the Text Education Agency. They're going to come in and, and they're going to run the school for it. That's not cool. That's not doing anyone any favors. No conozco a nadie 
that 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 is in favor of standardized testing. I don't know anyone that says, you know what? Yeah, this is a process that's working. Everyone knows that everyone's teaching to that. And teaching again, we we understand. As I mean, I understand teachers that they have to because that's basically right. what mm -hmm. they they're told to do. Well, so many things need to be changed in the educational system. It just why isn't that changing fast enough? Because certain people are getting money off of the educational system that if they ch if we start making these radical changes, then some of these billionaires are not going to be billionaires anymore, millionaires probably. Wow. No, senor, pues, keep up pushing. I'm yeah. sure little by little there, there, there will be something. I, I, I want to lastly talk about something that you brought up, which is really important. Aside from the, the subjects that you said that, yes, definitely someone uh, we should – teach kids on, on taxes, on on on, on budgeting, on, on, on finance, like real finance, not only like a, a one class, but one of the biggest things that it, I think it's missing, and I, I heard you talk about it already, is the emotional yeah. intelligence. I You have no idea how many people I know that have their bachelor's, their master's, even, I'm going to say a lot, their doctorates, but the truth is that the first breakup, their first divorce, and they're lost. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, yeah, they went to college and yeah, they have good grades and everything. But education now, I don't think has, I'm not going to say nothing to do, but it's a very minor role in how you handle things, right? We always complain about the people complaining on Facebook, the people throwing hate, the people that are there yeah. all day, the people, okay. But you know what? What happened is the result of, of, of that side. So why is it that no one has paid attention to that side of like, teaching and of the importance of having that in school because it's not tested <laughs> okay <laughs> social social emotional i'm big uh, that's that's a lot of the reason why schools bring me in to to, to present is to present on uh, social emotional learning uh, emotional intelligence uh, presenting on different strategies to use with kids all right my nephew i just read a book with him yesterday um it, it was called um yanni the yeti uh, uh, it was a kid's book designed to help kids have a growth mindset and work on their emotional intelligence, right? And how to control their emotions when they fail at something. This Yeti couldn't tie his shoes. He was crying and he was frustrated. And I asked my nephew, have you ever felt like this Yeti? And my nephew says, yes, I can't tie my shoes. And he's like, I said, have you, have you started crying over it? He's like, every day. He was, he, he legit cried. I said, okay, let's see what the Yeti does. And then this social emotional kids book teaches them how to have a growth mindset and how to say, you know what? I don't know how to tie my shoes yet, but if I keep practicing, if I have a positive mindset, and then there's so many different like steps that the author included, Katie. And once I showed my nephew that we went to play football at night, that same night, and he dropped the ball and he said, he told me, I didn't catch it yet. I got to practice to keep getting better. I said, it's just like that with math. So if we have even just a book, a little tiny book like that, psh, because you're right, the kid who is an all-A student, the kid who goes off to be academically successful but th does not have the ability to manage his or her emotions, yeah. we've set them up for failure. Yeah. And there was, like, in, in this case, most people don't have you as a figure that someone that read that book, I'm not saying that the parents are not doing a good job, but just as an example, mm -hmm. that there's a lot of times that they don't have that other perspective to well hearing that perspective from someone else and it's not their fault we can blame them for not having that but then like what is it that we can contribute with well with um to the cause right so like well and there is a push for it social emotional learning is a, is a popular buzzword right now but 
it's the first 10 minutes of class. And it's another thing thrown at teachers. And the teachers are not properly trained in social emotional learning. So teachers are just like, yeah, read this paper and I'll see you in 10 minutes. Some of them, not all. It happens. Like it happens. It happens everywhere. But it has to be more than just an initiative. And I, I say, and I just tweeted it recently, social emotional learning has to be an actual course that kids take for the, for the whole entire education career. And then, and then when that break, that breakup comes, when they're adults, they know how to handle it. When the job loss happens, like what happened with me, they, they, they know how to handle it. Right. Yeah, for sure. When they have a when they just separated from their boyfriend, they're not posting five updates every hour because <laughs> yes, a lot of people and I have friends, hopefully they're not hearing this, they will say, No, that's just my Facebook. What I post on Facebook is not the real me. Oh, that's a cop oh, out. Oh my god. They go, No, no, no. That's not everything we do. Everything. Even the way I raise my hand, there's there's a reason behind that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you choose to spend four hours talking about this or responding to negative comments or fighting on Facebook. No, no, no. It's not your persona outside that. That's you. That's you. <laughs> but when social media is a, it's, it's the but modern I mean, dirt, dirt diary. You posted something that was very powerful. Something about what is it? Parents, if, if oh, parents checking their grades more than that are so. Oh yeah, what yeah. Was it? What was it? I said, uh, for it was it said, dear parents, check on your child's grades just as much as you check your social media. That's powerful. <laughs> <laughs> somehow we're, we're spending including myself time all of us yeah yeah all of us what? and that is who we are yeah 100 we, we don't do we show every aspect of us no like for me i try to keep mine very positive but for the most part that's me i'm going to keep my my negative stuff to myself as much as possible because i don't i don't want to spew out negativity right i think it just looks bad for for me as an educator for me for my brand um will i post some real stuff like that yeah but like negativity, I try to keep that away. I don't want. I'm not gonna go home and and, and post. Oh, I'm I'm feeling depressed today. Like no, like I know how to deal with it now that I'm an adult, right? Now that I've had social emotional training, I know how to deal with it. But other than that, that's me. Like who you see on social media, that's who I am. Well, let, let, let me ask you this: Is there added pressure because of the role that you play? Um, obviously, teacher of the year, and also that a lot of people see you as an example. That you're still a young guy, right? You still hopefully go out and and part mm-hmm. in everything. Is there pressure of, oh, I have to act a certain way or I can't have this happening because then it's going to affect me this other way? Is For there? sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't get it when I first started. I, did, I, I refused to buy into that. I said, I'm, I'm doing my thing. As long as I do a good job at work, I could do whatever I want out in public and out on social media. And, and here's, here's my take on it now that I'm uh-huh. a little more mature, more wiser. Now I realize that I'm a role model on campus. But I'm also a role model at the store. I'm a role model on social media. I'm a role model at the mall, right? And, and as a teacher, we we deserve to have lives too. Yes, 100%. And trust me, I got a life outside of teaching. Don't get me wrong. But I don't have to post every time I'm chugging a beer. And I used to. I used to when I was young and, and, and thinking that I was invisible. But then I realized, damn, like some of these kids have seen my social because I have mine open. And I have some of their parents because some of their parents were my classmates in high school. And when a kid comes to say, oh, hey, mister, uh, you were drinking a beer for the Super Bowl. Like, it's just not a good look. Yeah. So as, as an adult, I enjoy myself still. But I also keep in mind, I, I mean, I don't, not to sound all like high and mighty, but educators are role models outside of that school building, too. And the worst thing that the worst thing that happens and it's happened is going to the store, buying a 30 pack and you hear, hey, mister. Oh. <laughs> 
And then I turn around and I'm supposed to teach him on Monday about being responsible. You're not doing anything wrong. Not doing anything wrong. You know? But I get it. Yeah. Right? And I get, like I said, I get both sides. And, yeah. you know, it, it took my friend, uh, we call him B. He, I, I, again, when I when I first started teaching, I was, I was I used to be a club promoter in college. Let me tell you. So I had all my party stuff up there. And I, if I would go out and have a good time with my friends, then I was that guy who was, you know, we'd take a picture of our food. Well, I was taking a picture of, of my drinks and doing the club promoter thing, right? And then my boy B was like, bro, like, you're a teacher, dog. Like, my son could have you in his class, man. Like, what, what would my son think if he saw your social media? I said, damn, bro, you're right. Now, give me a second, though. I'm going to make the <laughs> argument because yeah. I really think that that's wrong, though. Yeah. Because yeah. if you have emotional intelligence, you should be able to separate both. Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect teacher. You know what? Yeah, th- this this is the role. And trust me, and I will not lose respect if I see you drinking a beer. Right. But because they're not handled that way, you know, because, again, we don't process it that way. We then label, oh, okay, well, I guess, you know what, he's, he's a drunk. But I mean, what, what happened over here on this side, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, this is a very uh, touchy subject because the yeah. fact is you're right. You're a role model, and there is that pressure just like you've been mm-hmm. talking about. But in the perfect world when everyone has, like, the emotional intelligence, the truth is that you should be able to post whatever you want. Right, and the right. truth is that whoever's on the other end should be able to set apart. Oh, okay, he's a great teacher, the best person ever. Oh, and right now he's drinking thirty beers by himself, and that's right, it. Right, right, yeah. In the perfect world, but because of not, then we're adapting to that world. That's my opinion. And, and and some people can. Some people are very. I don't even know the word to say. Uh, down to earth, and they say, "Oh, yeah, have a you, bro. You deserve to have a good time. Like you put up with our kids oh, all okay. week." Some people are like that, but then on the flip side, some people aren't. Some people will say, well, why is your teacher go they'll go to the and this happens, they'll go to the principal and say, Your 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 teacher posted a picture of alcohol on a Tuesday night and they're teaching my like some people so in my mind I'm thinking I, I get both sides, but I'm thinking, man, I'd rather just play it safe than to deal with yeah, anything why else. Deal with them. Right. And then had I not cleaned up my social media, I I deleted like from my clubbing days or my club promoter days, I had like crazy pictures. Like I was a club promoter, I was doing the club thing. I deleted over three hundred pictures. Let me tell you, Ellen was the Ellen happy, the thing for, with Ellen. It took eight months for me to get to the show. They contacted me in August. I didn't get there until May, and I was like, "Why?" You know, like I, so since August, I had this big secret that I was in touch with Ellen. They're looking at my social media. Who is he? Yeah. Who is he really? Like, we want to see if you're that guy from the Why I Teach video, or had I done all my my parting videos right? They wouldn't have had. They don't want that on the show. So yeah. I'm thinking, dang, like it paid for me. It paid off. And I, like I, you're right, like you, we should, and teachers do have a good time. Teachers, have oh, a trust great me, great time. Oh, trust <laughs> yeah. me, I know that. Yeah, but I'm just, I, for me, I'm just very, um, especially with, with what I do, I'm very careful and 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 um, intentional with what I post. And I'm the way the way I the way I post now is if it's not positive, I don't post it, right? Because for for my role now, that principal in another country, sorry, another city, another state who wants to hire me, because in the education field. I'm only 2% as a Hispanic male educator, less than 2%. The education field is is predominantly white females. And then after, at the very bottom is Hispanic males. So I'm at the very bottom of the totem pole when it comes to diversity in the education field. The chances are high that that person might not hire me even more just because of my skin color, right? Because I can't relate to their teachers. But then they see me drinking. 
So they're like, yeah, no. So for me, I, I just play it safe. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I know what you mean, but but hopefully, eventually, we'll get to a place that, you know, this is him right here, his role. This is me doing this. But the, of course, we all, because we all understand. But again, why dealing? Why deal with that to yeah. begin with? Wow. All right, senor. I have to ask some questions on COVID for sure. I know that you're not teaching right now um, during COVID. Uh, again, major respect for the people. I, mm -hmm. I, I saw w one of my nephews. He's three, four, five. I'm not sure, but <laughs> I, I have my daughter's on her own. But she goes to the office, and I don't even see what she's doing. So she's, I know she's doing good. But then my nephew I had to be there, and I, I, and again, he's like four, five, and I saw the teacher having like how she was able to handle a room. I don't know how many kids, eight, ten kids. Mm -hmm. With some of them not paying attention, my nephew, oh, I, I want to turn off the camera. And I'm like, oh, dude, I'm, I'm already here, like, going crazy. I can just imagine dealing with that and dealing with the parents of that class. So, major respect to that. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you, in your experience of from your, what your peers are telling you, during COVID, what is the percentage, if we can just um, put a number here, of, of the learning um, in total, like, is it the same learning experience? Of course it's not, but is it 50% of what they should be learning? What is it that our kids are missing now during COVID because of the circumstances? It's no one's fault, but mm -hmm. can you put a, a number, a percentage there? I, I, I honestly can't. Um, I, I see arguments from both sides, from, from teachers, from educators. Uh, educators are all on Twitter. That's where educators do their educator talk is all on Twitter. And some of them are going on there and saying there is no learning loss. Mm. We're still working our butts off. We're still teaching. Um, there is no learning loss. The kids are still learning. They're still where they are. And then there's the other side who says, yeah, there is. There's no way they can be learning the same way that they were before um, and learning those learning outcomes being the same as they were before. So I, I, I see arguments for both sides. I can't I can't say, but what I can tell you is that there is an issue with uh, with kids not logging on for whatever reason. Right. And some of them, they just they're just they don't have that person at home to keep them logged on. And as an adult who's in night school. There's times where, oh, man, I hope my professor is seeing this. But there's times where I turn off my computer, right, my screen, and I'm like, yeah, I just need a break. Like, I can't do this for three hours a night. You know what I mean? So I can, I, I for a kid to do it eight hours, like, I, I get why some kids don't log on for eight hours. And I get why some kids don't even show up sometimes. Like, I, I get it. Um, so for those, I can say, yeah, there's definitely a learning loss for sure. But I can't, I can't pinpoint. I can't even give an, an estimate because I've seen equal arguments for both sides. Um, all I can really give a, a vouch for is that I know teachers are going above and beyond like never before right now. Um, and I, I know their job is harder than ever, harder than ever before right now. And me just even as a presenter, presenting online to blank screens is tough. It's so hard. Like, who am I talking to? Right. So I, my heart goes out to teachers. Um, but like I said, I know that they're going above and beyond like never before. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and trust me, I know that situation. I, I give several trainings uh, for work. And when I always try to turn it on, try, because there's uh -huh. sometimes I was like, okay, I'm not going to turn it on for this one. Yeah. But then when I present something, and usually in class, I throw in a joke or something to break the ice. At least I see some reactions. Yet I don't. So I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, I right, just right. It's so <laughs> different for different. sure. Different. There you go. But I know, Senor, um, with, within COVID and school, do you think there's a pressure from the state to have school districts open up right now? Again, I don't even know what stage of the pandemic we are right now. I see that there's some schools that are, are opening, but then closing back. 
you think there's that pressure from the state, or I don't know from where that is coming from? I think it's coming directly from the state. Yeah. I think a lot of schools did move to open. Um, a lot of a lot of teachers don't feel safe in those buildings. I don't blame them, right? Um, and I think when they made this decision to go back to campus in person, and, and some are hybrid, right, where there's some kids are in person and then some kids are still virtual. But the point is people are still in that building and they're in a room that's poorly ventilated, right? And they're with kids who are coming from, who knows where these kids are coming from, right? So the, the, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying is when they made the decision to go back to the campus, they left the most important people out who are teachers and parents from being part of that decision. Teachers don't have a choice. They have to go back. There's a, a teacher, Mr. Reed from Chicago. Chicago right now is snowing. And he is he said, I'm not going in that building because I have a wife at home who's about to give birth. I'm not I'm not going to go into the building. And I said, well, you have to teach from the building. He's teaching outside in the snow. He has his blanket. He has his computer, but he's outside of the building. And the entire uh, Chicago public uh, school system is they're all going crazy right now because a lot of teachers are on his side. And then the state is like, no, you got to get back. Right. <laughs> so it's crazy. So there's teachers who are in that situation. But I, th- I think that it's coming directly from the state. But I think that a lot of where a lot of people or a lot of systems messed up was not giving teachers the, the voice, not giving them an option, really. Right. I, and a lot of my friends are teachers and they are pissed. Yeah. They're mad because someone in their classroom gets COVID. The school sends home a letter to all parents saying someone at the school had COVID. They can't say someone in this specific class had COVID. So your kid might be in school exposed to COVID directly in that classroom and you can't you don't know for sure. So it's tough. Yeah, it's a difficult situation for everybody because it's our first pandemic. And, of course, right, like right. I'm sure there's – for the state, there's a reason behind it, hopefully a good one. That who knows? <laughs> I don't know what that is. But, well, I just want to touch base on that because I'm sure my sister at least will tell me. Well, um, as far as, hey, did you ask anything on COVID? But, bueno. <laughs> Senor, I have enjoyed our conversation very, very much. I really feel that we could stay forever, especially with some beers, which I don't <laughs> have. I apologize for that. But let me ask you my last question. Yeah. This is the same question I ask every guest. So think about this one. What is one thing you love about El Paso? And we cannot say food. <laughs> and what thing? One thing that maybe you would change of our city. That's that's a good question. I think I think El Paso has some of the most loving people. Right when 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 stuff hits the fan, El Paso comes together for El Paso. Right, and and I say it all the time, especially in the Northeast. Like when we go out. People know who the Northeast people are because we always stick together and we always have each other's back. Um, But I think that goes for all the whole city, Mm -hmm. right? For the past nine years, I've done a backpack drive that is specifically designed to give back to the Northeast. But people from all over the city show up with backpacks and monetary donations. And we're able to give back to kids in my neighborhood, right, in the Northeast. But the the donations are coming from the east side, from the west side, lower valley, from everywhere. They're coming from all over the city. So I love El Paso. I have El Paso tattooed on me. That's how much I love this city. Um, So the people, right, the camaraderie that we have. And we have some knuckleheads. Every city does, right? Uh, We have some knuckleheads for sure. But for the most part, El Paso, El Paso strong is a real thing. right? We are El Paso and it's strong and 
you have it on your back screen right there on your on your back wall like you have it there for a reason because it's the people um something that i think el paso needs to change i i, I think we need to stop being so quick to criticize other people when they mess up Ooh, that's such a good one please expand and it's so easy to do that nowadays on social media the moment someone messes up we all act like we're perfect el pasoans like we've never done some of these things that people get called out on what one of the big popular ones was um like blasting people right i don't even, i don't want to name these webs these pages because they're going to come blast me now but there are specific pages that were meant just to blast people. Oh, John got a, a DWI last night. Half the people on there have all drove drunk. The El Paso likes to drink. Let me tell you that. That's probably another issue. We got to stop driving drunk, El Paso. Yes. And that's 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 honest. Um, being sincere about that one. So that I'd change it to that. Oh no! Wait, wait. The first one's really good. <laughs> uh, all right. So yeah. So that would that'll be my second one. But the first one, yeah, just we gotta be stop we gotta stop criticizing everybody. We gotta realize that we're all human, we're all learning, we're all gonna make mistakes. There's no age where you stop making mistakes. There is no age. And I, I think that a lot of people are realizing that through social media. We're seeing some people who are in their 70s who are still making mistakes. And I don't want to get specific with that, but people of all ages are making mistakes. We're human. Instead of breaking everybody down, let's build each other back up. Like, hey, you messed up this weekend, bro. You got blasted on social media. We're going to pick you back up. We know you're better than that. And now it's time to be better. And some people, they deserve it because they never grow and they never get better. And they do stupid things on purpose, like drinking and driving, right? But it happens. But that I think that's that's one thing that we do here. Um, and I think it happens in every city, to tell you the truth, is that we're, we're really quick to, to break each other down. But we're slow to support movements. Wow. Like this podcast, this podcast is, you've had some phenomenal people on here. I don't know why I'm on here, but you've had some phenomenal people on here. The moment I saw it, follow. But I know there's someone out there who said, who does this El Paso on point person think he is? I'm not going to follow that page. Oh, they had Cincara on there. Like, you know what I mean? They're still looking. So I think we need to just stop breaking people down and start supporting each other more than ever before. And there are people on the flip side who are really good at showing yeah. support. Like I said, El Paso Strong is a real thing. Yeah, and, and I appreciate that so much because you're right, and it goes back to emotional intelligence. Yeah, there we you go. Know, <laughs> it goes back to, as an adult, now you're this way because you were never supported. I can guarantee you, and I'm sure you know this, I have never, and, and, and any successful person, never, not, not only that has the time, because maybe I do have the time to hate, but I will never hate on anyone. I will never write anything negative. If maybe I think that, oh, that person's stupid. That's it. That's my thoughts. And, and again, I try to understand. But you have to have that mindset. And hopefully it mm -hmm. starts from, from young. But if not, there has to be a way to break the cycle. So hopefully they're able to uh, to first of all understand where are they at? Meaning like, okay, maybe maybe I do tend to be like that. Because if you ask anybody, everyone's going to agree with, with what you just said, including myself. But then we go around, okay, who are those people? Like, oh, we all agree that there's people out there, but we cannot call ourselves out. So I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, there you go. that's another thing. <laughs> so yeah, again, um, thank you so much for spending some time. We, we've been on for, for a while, have enjoyed our awesome, conversation. Yeah. Again, you are the perfect example of why we have this podcast, what we're trying to highlight. Um, definitely you're making an impact. Continue Appreciate doing it. it. And, and is there anything I, if there's anything that I can assist you, please reach out always. But bueno, that's all I have. Thank you. 
Anything, Senor? Yeah, let me just end it with everything that I shared today came from a good place. It came from the heart. Um, you don't have to agree with everything I said. It happens. We all have our own perspectives and our own viewpoints. But what I can tell you is that everything came from a good place in my heart. And I meant nothing with um, any ill intent. I mean, I didn't mean to offend anyone if I said anything offensive. It happens. But take it from me that everything came from a good place. So don't beat me up too bad if you disagree with me. And if you do, let's have a talk about it. and Let's grow together. Nice. All right. Well, thank you for that. Adios. That's all I have.